0: We're continuing in our series this week This will be week number five Of our series, Shift Uh, changing for impact shift changing for impact Uh, and we have uh, talked powerfully about doing things differently embracing change Uh, we've talked about living at the intersections and the challenge to connect Uh, and today we want to continue in that series uh, launching from the book of Acts from the book of Acts of the Apostles which is really a continuation uh, of the story from uh, the Gospel of Luke written by the same authors it's a continuation from Luke uh, from the Gospel of Luke into the book of Acts so we're gonna launch from Acts chapter 3 today Acts chapter 3 beginning at verse number 1 Acts 3 from the English Standard Version should be appearing on your screen as we read it uh, read it now Uh, Acts chapter 3 beginning at verse 1 there you'll find these words now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer the ninth hour and a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed uh, his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. We thank God for God's word and for the witness of the word. And we pray that its seed will find a place deep in your hearts. Uh, Today, for the time that we have together... I'd like to tag this particular text with the topic, on the outside, on the outside, on the outside. Over the course of this week, I came across social media conversations that were questioning the faith of churches that have been slower to reopen for in-person worship. There were a number of practical and theological assumptions that were troubling to me. One of which was the idea that people actually think that because the church building is closed, that church ministry has ceased. And it really raised a key question about for me about how we see ourselves as the church. Are we the building? Is our relevance found solely in the place that we have designated for meeting and worship? Or is the church the people working together under the bloodstained banner of Jesus to expand the kingdom here on earth. It was really troubling to me that so many people would ascribe the relevance and the impact of the church, mostly to meeting together in a place because the establishment of the church was not based on a place, but based on people. Y'all, it starts with Peter's confession uh, in Matthew, I believe around chapter 16, where his confession of Jesus as the Messiah is noted as the building block of the ecclesia, the church and the called out ones. It is commanded, as we talked about last week in the Great Commission, uh, as we are given divine approval and authority to live our lives at the intersections of life. It was made manifest with the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 as the compelling recalling of the gospel message and the coming of the Holy Spirit drew thousands to following Christ. And if the church is based on the Spirit-led, Christ-following actions of people, I am led to believe that even 2,000 years later, this is still our call. Follow the Spirit. Follow the example of Christ and and witness the expansion of the kingdom of God. It is the existence of the Holy Spirit shown forth in the local church through the harmony with which we live together that is our mandate. And it is how we follow the example of Christ and allow the Spirit to lead us to engage with the world that grants us impact and influence with those who are on the outside of our community of faith. As the local church uh, and disciples of Jesus Christ, we are charged with being witnesses to those who are on the outside of the body of Christ. But who are those on the outside? Y'all, Being on the outside uh, is not a way for me today or for any of us to otherize people or to give some notion of superiority. It is to help us as disciples raise our awareness of who these people are. I would endeavor to suggest that the outsiders are those who have uh, not been integrated into the family of faith through saving faith in Jesus Christ. They are the very people whom exist on the fringes of our lives, those we see every day and even speak to, but have not heard the good news of Jesus Christ. In fact, a harsh reality for us is that there are even people who have been in church every week people who live with us who might be watching this right now but have not made a decision to follow christ which will put them in the category of being on the outside to be clear y'all i'm not being derogatory not being demeaning in any way it's just a statement of fact there are people we know people we love people with whom we work people we interact with every day uh who are good people but are not saved people and the challenge for us is to allow the power of the Holy Spirit to help us be witnesses of the saving power of Jesus Christ moving them from the fringes of faith into the family of faith because it's the desire of our Heavenly Father and Savior that all men, all women, all boys and girls would be able to experience the fullness of the relationship with God through Jesus Christ and it's should be our desire as well and our mission to make christ known to all people in all places at all times and indeed we see an example of this in our text today as we come to acts chapter three just prior to this in the closing verses of acts chapter two there is a, a, this is established a pattern for the new christ movement that is quickly growing in the days and the weeks following the ascension of jesus and the pentecost festival The initial conversion of 3000 people on the day of Pentecost quickly grew into a community of striving of believers, rather striving to learn and grow in the way of Christ. We learn from the end of chapter two that these new converts, um, the majority of whom were Jewish from all over the world who had come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, the uh, Pentecost festival, rather, had taken some new practices uh, like the breaking of bread and commemorating the death of Jesus Christ. While still holding on to many of the practices of traditional Judaism For the disciples, disciples, uh, they were raised in the Jewish faith They still sought to observe the traditional patterns of prayer and worship at the temple This is raised in our text by the authors by pointing out that Peter and John are entering the temple at the ninth hour at the time of prayer. These two disciples continued in the practice of worshiping in the temple because it had become a part of our daily routine, their daily routine and rhythm of their lives, even as leaders of the new Jesus movement. Our text tells us that just as the time of prayer was approaching and people were gathering in the temple courts, there was a lame man who was dropped off right on the outside of the temple gate called Beautiful. Y'all, we learned that this crippled man was born this way, having to always depend on the goodwill of others to take him to and from the gate so that he could could collect money from those who would pass by as they entered the temple gate by all accounts this lame beggar y'all was on the outside he was an outsider his physical condition placed him on the outside of the regular rhythms of society in first century jerusalem to be one suffering from such a crippling disability meant to be marginalized to begging in order to live this brother's entire life was dependent on the goodwill of others if he wanted to be at the temple gate he had to trust that someone would take him if he was going to eat he could only pray the enough people would be moved by compassion pity or religious obligation to spare him a little bit of change and while there were those who were able to help him get around and collect change for his own livelihood that was really all they could do for him his physical location was literally outside of the gate of the temple courts he was unable to walk so he could not join in the crowds of people going to and from the temple courts for worship or for prayer with the temple being the spiritual center of the city, this crippled and disabled and lame man was not even able to develop his spiritual life in the same way as everyone else because he couldn't participate in the prescribed activities that were a part of the Jewish religiosity. This left him being spiritually disconnected, socially distanced because of his physical disability. He was on the outside of in every sense of the world, physically, culturally, spiritually. He had been marginalized to the forgotten. Fringes of society, and as he sat at the gate every day, people saw him, but they didn't see him. People heard him, but they didn't hear him. People knew he was there, but they didn't engage with him. Y'all, we could pause right here parenthetically just to consider who the lame beggars are in our lives that have become a part of the going about of our daily routine. We have our own rhythms to life and we don't always take notice of the people who are around us who are suffering with, the, um, with hopes that someone will notice them long enough to really help them. The pace of our lives often doesn't lend itself to connecting with people beyond a superficial level. This constant sense of hurry and busy keeps us mainly focused on what's happening in our lives and in the lives of those with whom we are closely connected. And oftentimes, outside of the bubble of our world, we miss those who are experiencing brokenness in the same manner as this beggar of the text. Because our relationships with people can often be transactional, we can miss the opportunities we have to tap into the struggle, the weariness, the confusion, the hopelessness, and the despairs that other people can with them every day. Y'all the text says specifically that the beggar was at the gate called beautiful. The gate called beautiful. This was a bronze-laden gate uh, which was the eastern entry point to the temple courts for the worshipers who gathered there every day. Uh, Yet in the life of this beggar and for those like him this gate was really a paradox because while many passed through to enter the temple this was something the beggar could not do. While the gate While the gate was beautiful, it was called beautiful by everyone. It was beautiful to most because of the access that it granted. It was a barrier for him because he was too broken to enter in. It was for him a daily reminder of what he couldn't do. And that barring some miraculous moment, he was indelibly stuck on the outside. Y'all, this is a good place to pause and ponder. uh, What are the things that we consider to be beautiful that may actually be barriers to others on the outside oh that's a good question you ought to sit with that for a minute what what do you consider to be beautiful that may actually be barrier uh, a barrier to somebody that's on the outside y'all we have our scheduled times of meeting and gathering we come together we do our church thing and then we go on about our business we focus on helping those who are already a part of the church our networks can be limited to including people who are already quote unquote church folks whether they are members at our church or somewhere else y'all we are good at meeting our needs within the church community y'all and it's an important part of who we are but an equally important part is how we handle and engage with those who are on the outside the least the lost the left out and the looked over those who are seeking and searching for something significant beyond themselves and as such is the case in our text the lame man and those who are with him exist right outside the proverbial gate of the church they watch us carry our bibles and wear our jesus paraphernalia they hear us talk about how we are blessed and highly favored they see our post of on social media of our scripture of the day uh, and talking about how good God is they witness our routines of religious activity all the while wondering if the God that we talk about and the Jesus we proclaim is available for them as well y'all they see us doing ministry but that ministry can rarely reach beyond the bubble of church world we can become so inwardly focused that even our efforts to reach out are more about building ourselves up and patting ourselves on the back and actually helping those on the outside y'all we think our worship is beautiful when it's um, when it is actually a barrier we think our programs are beautiful when they are actually a barrier we think our traditions are beautiful when it very well might be a barrier because right on the outside of our beautiful gate are real people who have in some way been physically spiritually and culturally marginalized but they can't access the beautiful that we got access to they are in need of an encounter with the power of Jesus Christ to bring restoration to their lives but they are stuck on the outside and can't get what they really need the text tells us that Peter and John are in their daily routine of going up to the temple when they encounter this begging broken brother outside the beautiful gate he asked them for money and they do something that is different than what everyone else has done that has come by him. They stop. Yeah, I, I know it's not real deep. Uh, they, they, he call, he, they see him, he calls out to him and they stop. You, usually, y'all, people wouldn't stop the rhythm of their routine to engage those who were begging outside of the gate. If They were going to give, they would have their money out, they would drop it in the cup as they continued into the temple court. But on this day, when the lame man calls out to them peter and john are compelled to stop and we ought to recognize that in order to reach those that are on the outside it will require us to stop we go about doing the same things in the same ways developing a pattern of habitual behavior that often causes the things that would once stand out to fade into the familiar often the things we should recognize as needs become the things that are nuances we, we don't take the time to stop. Y'all, we can hear stories and see situations yet keep moving past the moment to engage deeper because of the next thing on our schedules. But y'all, we have to learn how to stop. Peter and John were raised in the Jewish faith and tradition of going to the temple for prayer was one, of the, uh, one that was a part of their life's experience. They had been through the beautiful gate countless times, but this time, They were compelled to stop, and I would suggest to you uh, and to us today that very possibly it was the change in their spiritual disposition that prompted them to see a lame man with a fresh perspective. And that their vision had been transformed by the Holy Spirit that they received at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, so that now the beggar no longer was a part of the temple scenery. He was a real live soul that needed to encounter Jesus Christ. Uh, for a little while, y'all, the pandemic was helping us with this whole stopping thing, uh, to see and to respond what was happening around us. That's, that's the whole reason for all of the protests that were sparked last year after the death of uh, the murder by Derek, uh, of George Floyd by, uh, by former officer Derek Chauvin because the world got to see it. They had to stop to watch a man oh, with a knee on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. But y'all, as folks return to more normal routines of life and work, yes, even with the Delta variant raging through our country, it is back to the busyness of managing our roles and responsibilities when what we really need to to do is to reevaluate our routines and our rhythms and not just rush back to them so quickly. We have to learn how to stop because stopping will often give the necessary space for the spirit to speak to us and to move us in ways that would have major impact in the lives of others. And this is the beauty of the last year and a half that we should recognize. I know we are suffering from COVID fatigue, from mask fatigue, from vaccine fatigue, from social distancing fatigue, from virtual everything fatigue. However, don't miss the fact that we've been given an opportunity to stop to slow down and to take stock of what we are doing, but more importantly, who is around us. And to discover who God uh, and discover who God would have us, uh, how God would have us to move, rather, at the intersection of those two things. Maybe this stop was for us to realize that if we want to be a relevant and kingdom-minded church, we actually have to get to know the new neighborhood and stop doing ministry like we are living in a neighborhood that doesn't exist any longer maybe this stop was to allow us to catch up to ourselves and realize that the potential we have and the work we need to do to turn it from possibility to reality. Maybe the stop was to help us see clearly, hear clearly, and act decisively by the power of the Spirit of God. And it's not about making church great to boost our egos. It's about exposing those who are on the outside to the kingdom of God. It's about raising our children to be kingdom citizens and not church members. It's about developing spirit led creative, imaginative, uh, active followers of Jesus Christ. It's about sharing the love of Christ with our community and our city through word and action. And if we are even, and if we even in the 21st century church want to be able to reach and connect and with and engage with those on the outside, we have to allow the spirit of God to transform our vision so that we can see people not as projects or problems, but as people who stand in need of an encounter with a living God we have to learn how to stop so we can begin to show up as powerful representatives of Christ in the world got a text raises this idea of sight sight is a major part of this particular story this narrative in Acts chapter 3 in verse 3 the text says that the lame man saw Peter and John coming and just as he saw the other people coming to the temple to worship then in verse four it says that peter and john looked at the man in fact uh, peter commanded them commanded him to look at them peter and john turned their complete fo- focus towards this man as he called out to them for money and once uh, they had their gazes locked in on the beggar peter says look at us And one would think that the beggar would be looking at them since he called out to them but in this context uh, it is the beggar who was calling out to them and looking past them to ensure that the others in this group of people are coming to, hear, coming to the temple uh, and so that they can hear his call. So Peter has to get his full attention by asking him to look at them using a word that means to take notice or behold. And in verse number five, it says that, it says they turned, that he turned and fixed his attention to them with the expectation of getting something from them the beggar's initial unwillingness to engage was based on his expectation he expects peter and john to treat him in the same way as everyone else that passes him by he had resigned himself to the fact that the very best he could do was being able uh, was being put at the gate every day and collecting change from those who passed by that's the exact place that many on the outside are in they have no expectation that anything in their life can be different. They have lost the desire to change the trajectory of their lives because all they know is being passed over and passed by. They expect people to respond to their needs with a, critical, uh, with a cliched commentary, which sounds nice, but at the end of the day doesn't get to the root of the problem. Saying, I'll pray for you is fine. But actually praying, and then maybe and it might be doing more than a prayer is what's required telling folks to give it to the lord doesn't always get to the root of what needs to happen not to mention that if folks don't know the lord or don't understand the power of prayer then it's uh, then for them it is nothing more than a nice gesture of superficial consideration we can often a solution That takes a moment, but we must recognize that people on the outside need more uh, than just quick words and quick fixes. In the words of Maya Angelou, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And as Christians, we have to do more than tell people we care. We have to show them we care. This this is the beauty of what takes place in the rest of the story. In verse 6, Peter tells the beggar, Silver and gold I don't have, but such as I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Peter understands and addresses that what the beggar expects is to get a few coins from them. And Peter cares enough to address the actual need of the beggar, even though he didn't have what the beggar was looking for. Essentially, Peter tells this man, look, I care enough about you to acknowledge, uh, uh, to acknowledge your need and give you what I have so often we get caught up as disciples and as a church in the fact that we don't have enough to meet the needs of the people yet peter clearly shows us that meeting the needs of the people doesn't always mean giving them what they are asking for but offering an opportunity to help them get themselves to a place of wholeness healing and ultimately salvation we can give folks stuff all day and we should to meet the immediate needs of people however our work as a church expands even further into helping folks move to a place move to a place of where they don't have to live in a permanent place of marginalization but they can find wholeness in their lives y'all I'm almost done there was a news story about some panhandlers a couple years back who were looking for work in a town in the Midwest and people were driving right by them every day uh, with their signs. They were there looking for, uh, looking for money from people as they drove by. And some folks stopped and gave them a few dollars and a few coins. But one man, he approached it a little bit differently. Uh, he, he, he stopped and he offered them a job. Yeah, he, he stopped. He said, look, y'all can come work for me. And unfortunately, these panhandlers, they were more interested in just getting the money that they needed Uh, Getting the money that they were looking to get as opposed to taking a job and doing the work to earn the money. So this man went home and came back with a sign of his own that said, don't give them money. I offered them a job and they said no. And y'all, oftentimes as Christians, we need to be more like this man and give people the opportunity they need to deal with the issues they face. Peter didn't give money to the beggar that was lame. He gave of his spiritual authority to help him walk. So now he can take care of himself. More specifically, Peter offered a chance to partake in the power that is in the name of Jesus so that his true need of salvation could be met. And we have to be so, uh, and we have to be so guided by the spirit and so sensitive to the spirit that we can speak to more than just the immediate need, uh, immediate, uh, place of the, in, immediate need to the place of the true needs we can give financial assistance and help them get a job we can pray that they are delivered from their addiction and help them get into a program we can give them a scriptural advice on how to manage a difficult season of life and send them to a therapist we can anoint them with oil for healing and get them to a doctor or a nutritionist we have to look beyond the moment and look beyond the immediate and see the real need y'all this is what's happening in verse number seven peter takes the man by the right hand helps him to his feet and instantly his ankles and feet become strong peter's action reminds us that we have to be active participants in the restoration process for those on the outside Too often we see the needs, we offer Christ and then we leave folks to figure it out for themselves. But Peter lets us know that we have to be willing to put our hands into the situation, maybe get our hands a little dirty and actively play a part in helping others come to restoration. Because when we do, they will gain the strength to keep on going. They can stand in the face of impossible circumstances and will respond just like this beggar did y'all know what the text says in verse number eight uh verse eight says that he jumped to his feet and began to walk and then he went with them into the temple courts walking and jumping and praising god y'all the one that couldn't walk was not only walking but now jumping and praising god the one who had been relegated to life on the outside of the temple because of his disability uh, was now praising God uh, on the inside of the temple Uh, the one uh, who was dependent on others for his well being uh, was now able uh, to take care of himself Uh, the one who couldn't access worship in the temple courts now praised God with his whole life Uh, and this is why it matters what we do at the intersections of life uh, because it can transform the realities of those uh, who are on the outside Uh, that was this man's testimony that because Peter stopped because Peter saw him and offered him what he needed that through the power of the spirit of God uh, uh, he was able to have a life anew to experience a new reality by the power of God and y'all I would just imagine that as Peter was walking that day headed into the temple for prayer that when he saw that beggar and he looked into his eyes that he remembered a time when he was on the outside and Christ told him listen just go out a little further and cast your net one more time and he cast his net and took in so many fish that the boats couldn't handle it and then left his nets and left his boats to follow Jesus when he said come be uh, let me teach you how to be fishers of men I believed it that day that he looked into that lame brother's eyes and he recalled a time when he was on the Outside walking on water on the boat, that he was on the outside, and Jesus said, Come out to me or, or on the water. He walked on the water and went to Jesus. I, I just remember, I just think Peter remembered a time when he was on the outside after having denied Jesus right before he was crucified. That Peter remembered what it was like to feel disconnected, what it was like to feel a, a distance from his Savior, but he. also remembered that jesus didn't leave him but that jesus led him to restoration after the resurrection all i'm trying to say today is that we need to remember that we haven't always been on the inside but at one time we were on the outside at one time we were in need of restoration at one time we were in need of healing at one time we were in need of deliverance at one time Time we were in need of a savior, and because Jesus showed up on a hill called Calvary and shed his blood for you and for me, the testimony of our lives is that we were sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard our despairing cry, and from the Waters, uh, he lifted me, uh, and from the waters, uh, he lifted you. uh, And now, safe am I. uh, uh, Love lifted me uh, when nothing else could help. uh, Love lifted me uh, when my mama couldn't help. uh, Love lifted me uh, when my family couldn't help. uh, Love lifted me uh, when my friends couldn't help. uh, Love lifted me uh, when the church couldn't help. uh, Love lifted me uh, when I tried everything I could and it didn't make a difference. It was love that lifted me and our goal ought to be that our lives would be the conduit of that same love the conduit of that same spirit, the conduit of that same power so that what happened for us can happen for those who are on the outside. That ought to be the goal Peter and John spent all this time with Jesus. See the Holy Spirit. See the commission. They allowed their lives. in This moment to be a conduit to a brother who was on the outside. That ought to be what we are doing. This is like kind of part two of last week, right? As we live at the intersection, here's what we ought to do. Sometimes we got to stop. Gotta slow down. We have to use our sight, our spiritual sight, Allow the Spirit of God to work through us. Share the love and the power that God has given unto us, bequeathed unto us, so that those who are on the outside can be a part of the family of God. And that's how this thing keeps going. That's how we keep growing. That's how the kingdom gets expanded. It's when we are willing to allow our lives to be impactful in this way for those on the outside. Come on, let us pray. God, we thank you for the witness, what we learned from this particular narrative today from Peter and from John and from the life of this lame guy that was begging, who had spent his life coming to the gate. But Peter and John didn't allow their routine and their rhythm and having to do things as they always had done them to get in the way of recognizing this need speaking into this man's life and not just giving him coins to help him be able to make it one more day but God sharing with him the spirit of God that healed his body but also healed his soul so that he could make it for an eternity God we're grateful God and I pray today is that you would work through our lives in that way To a lot of love and the power, the spirit to work through us, so that those that we can encounter can move from brokenness to wholeness. They can move into the place that you've called them to live, into the fullness of life, so they can experience what your promise was to come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. God, and there may be someone watching today, some man, woman, boy, or girl who desires to move into this abundant light. God, help life, help them to say yes to you today. We know what Paul writes in Romans that if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. And today, we're praying that there is one who will make that make that their belief. And their confession today that they might be connected with the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. God, we pray today for one who needs to return, one who's been socially distanced by the challenges of life, one who feels like they've returned to being back on the outside. God, let them know, God, they can come on in. God, help them to say yes again unto you. Pray for those who desire to partner with our church. As we continue to expand and become a kingdom church that is focused on being a blessing and expanding your kingdom here in the earth. God, today we'll partner their life and their gifts with us in this time and in this season as we partner together and walk this faith journey out. God, we thank you for this time of gathering and worship today. And we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.